Welcome to Christchurch Manchester Sermon Podcast. CCM is one church that meets every Sunday in various locations across Manchester. For more information about who we are or about our Sunday meetings, please visit www.christchurchmanchester.com. When you think of the term wounded, what comes to mind? I mean, for me, straight away, it comes to thinking of some of the scenes you've seen from Ukraine. I mean, literally watching a convoy of um, civilians trying to flee a town, literally being bombed or soldiers, and some very graphic uh, images come to mind, don't they, when you think of being wounded. Or it might, you might think of some of the mass shootings that have happened sometimes in the States, but also in other parts of the world where a lone gunman will go into a school or into a shopping centre or something like that, and you, there's people killed, but people wounded as well. So when I think of, of being wounded, it tends to be in those sort of kind of images, you know, a shotgun wound or uh, something like that. But actually, we can get wounded in many different ways. And uh, some of the things that are uh, kind of becoming more obvious is how much mental health has been affected by the wounds that we accumulate through life. I remember when I was a teenager, um, I used to be, as I used to walk home from senior school, there would be a gang of guys that would bully me and beat me up quite regularly. And I, I remember often looking over my shoulder, thinking, are they, are they there? And it's a, it was a strange thing because you would have looked at me for most of my life. I was pretty confident. I was pretty good at football. I nearly said soccer. I lived in the States for a couple of years and still um, think that way. And uh, you know what I mean? So there was a kind of part of my life that was, I'd got friends that looked, looked okay. But there was another part of me. It was like being a schizophrenic. You know, it's like just another world that was scared, that was intimidated, that was, uh, just was frightened to go down roads. And especially if I was on the park playing football and I, this gang of youth came on, it would, I would, it would just cause me great panic. And um, sorry. Um, okay. Is it going to hold? Thank you. So um, I remember five, six years ago, I uh, was literally in my house and uh, went to get a cup of coffee from my coffee machine and literally burst into tears. And uh, it was the part of a massive breakdown that I, that I had. And uh, I think when going to the doctor, six months I was signed off, nine months really before I even got back to some sort of semblance of um, kind of being able to function and uh, I remember talking to the doctor and, you know, I, it was a strange one because I couldn't quite put my finger on what caused it, but he just, you know, I've adopted three kids, I've helped run a big movement, planted lots of churches, had a lot, and he, he, I was just talking to him what I did and what I was, just, as I was rambling on, he said, Colin, I think I might have <laughs> had the same situation as you when I'm talking, when, so when I was talking about my life, 
and some of the stresses and strains, um, it kind of realised actually there was an accumulation over years of wounds, actually, that had been placed on me that effectively, in the end, caused me to have a breakdown. I guess what I'm trying to say is we collect wounds through our life, and they're not just kind of physical wounds from a gun or from a a, a weapon, but they're actually wounds that are verbal, and they're they're wounds just being... um, uh, kind of ostracised. I, I was down in Ladybourne uh, before I came here and listening and praying with the, the worship band there and uh, uh, one of the songs was about Jesus coming from Nazareth and uh, Hannah, who was on the video, she just prayed. Uh, they said to you, Jesus, can anything good come out of Nazareth? And as she said it, I thought, that can wound you, you know. If, if someone says something like that, can anything good <laughs> You know, the implication is massive. So I guess what I'm trying to say is when we're talking about wounded healers, wounds come in many shapes and, and forms. One of the things that uh, uh, was uh, strange for me is when I became a Christian at 16, uh, 18, I helped in a local authority youth group, youth club, and uh, I was almost like a bounce on the door. And suddenly some of these guys you know, that type of person were in there. And I was thinking, man alive, this is a change. And uh, it was actually quite, for me, it was a bit of therapy. It was a bit of kind of, but something had changed in me. And, and we'll get onto that, uh, hopefully, in a, in a little bit that uh, can bring uh, confidence. In uh, 2020, the Barna Group, which is like a leading market research uh, organization uh, in the States, there is, did a, 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 um, a bit of research on what was the main causes of trauma in Christians. And so these are three top ones that they, uh, they, they, they did. Uh, so top one was the death of a loved one, which you could, uh, you could see that. The second one was this, being betrayed by a trusted individual. And it's fascinating. I've talked to a few people over the years and, uh, the, when, and, that, and, that, and that pain of being... I mean, when I say betrayed, it's not like, you know, it, it's been turned against, <laughs> do you know? And feeling like the one that was close to me is now the one that's uh, making it life difficult for me, accusing me or... Do you know? So that is... Um, and when I read this, oh, it brings to um, relevance from that. And then, and then the next cause was kind of different forms of violent abuse, domestic type abuse. But one thing that is certain is whatever pain, hurt, or um, uh, kind of wounds that we've had often live with us for years. And that's what happened to my breakdown. Fundamentally, it was just an accumulation of wounds, effectively, that in the end, my kind of body decided enough's enough. You know, uh, you just closed down almost. And uh, it's interesting, when I talk to people, and I've been a pastor for 40, 45 years, and so you do, you know, you meet everybody, and... 
And, and, and all sorts of different ways people react to you and, and they react in community and react. And some is nice and good and some, some people can be obnoxious and some people can just be, you know, terrible in a group. You know, you, you've all experienced those sort of people. Uh, one thing I've learned is if I know the backstory to their life, it often gives me much more tolerance and it's not like you excuse bad behaviour or obnoxious kind of attitudes, but learning a backstory really does help you understand a little bit what someone's going through and why, why they are uh, reacting. So we're going to just look at this a little bit um, this morning. And uh, I was thinking in the Bible... Um, who were the wounded people? Well, there's tons of them. And uh, I want to talk about uh, a wealthy lady, or seemingly a, a wealthy lady. Um, definitely had some means because was able to give away uh, and, and help people. And uh, she grew up and lived on the banks of the Lake Galilee. And um, she basically met Jesus, and uh, in the interaction with meeting Jesus, Jesus cast out seven demons from her. And this lady, for the rest of her life, and until Jesus comes again, will always be known as the lady that had seven demons cast out of her. I'm just wondering what I would think if that's how I would be introduced to somebody. <laughs> um, Colin, yeah? you're the one. Oh, you're the one. Seven. Actually, seven is like almost a perfect number. It's like complete. It's so, so you not only had seven, but it was like complete. It was like, you know, you were totally demonised. And, um, and this is a very wounded lady. But a strange lady because she's obviously, and we'll read about in a minute, she's got some wealth because we read that she actually looked after Jesus and that, uh, that along with some other ladies, actually provided for him. So, you know, sometimes when I think of demonised person, you kind of think of someone who's completely out of society, do you know what I mean? Out of control. And do, now, and we read in the Bible that that is true, that some people, like there was a little boy who kept throwing himself in the fire because of the demonic activity. I heard about another guy, they called Legion because he had so many that they had to chain him and they chained him out of the town in some kind of graveyards and he still broke the chains. Because so, there was so much kind of angst there and aggression, they just even couldn't. couldn't. So there are certain things, times that people are just completely out of control. Sometimes, like this lady, there must have been she must have lived a normal life as well. Somehow she had access to money, and uh, so I'm trying to kind of get under the skin of this so it's to help you see that actually. Wounds, whether it is through trauma, whether it's through what people said, what actions to you, whether it's some sort of evil stuff that's going on, so sometimes can be mixed a little bit like my early childhood, 
with a life that looks okay, that copes, that actually is pretty well integrated and pretty well together. Do you agree with me? Yet carrying these wounds. So in Luke 1 and verse 8, it says this. Soon afterwards, Jesus began a tour of the nearby towns and villages, preaching and announcing the good news about the kingdom of God. He took his 12 disciples with him, along with some women who had been cured of evil spirits and diseases. Among them was Mary Magdalene, from whom he had cast out seven demons. Joanna, the wife of Chusa, Herod's business manager, Susanna, and many others who were contributing from their own resources to support Jesus. Okay, so there she is. One of the ladies who became part of Jesus's entourage and, and, and uh, disciples there. Interesting, I think she's mentioned 12 times in the Gospels. You realise that's far more than virtually any other of the 12 apostles. So this really fascinating lady suddenly has become high profile. And you, you know that actually secular writers have written books about Mary Magdalene. Legends have been made about Mary Magdalene. She's become like a figure because there's something that it doesn't tell us too much and yet tells us everything. Do you know? It's, it's interesting that just a few verses and it's almost like you have to impose then <laughs> lots of your own thinking. But I just want to say that this lady basically... Uh, 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 let's see what Morris Casey says. Mary must have suffered... From severe emotional and psychological trauma, wealth did not spare her from her evil that assailed and attacked her every hour of the day. Seven is a mystic number, suggesting completeness, implying that when the evil spirits dominated Mary, the suffering was extreme. So we have this lady. You've got the picture now. Lived a life, probably looked quite normal, and yet something in her was totally traumatised and, uh, and actually even got her name out, out of it all, the, what she was uh, talked about out of it. So she became a follower of Jesus, as I've just said, and uh, provided for his needs because this lady was completely delivered and, and, uh, and, made, and made whole. She was such a follower of Jesus that as the time of his death was approaching, she and the ladies who were with her kept providing for Jesus. As he went into Jerusalem, with the time, she was there with them all. When Jesus then was betrayed by one of his followers, Judas, and put into prison or into a prison environment where he was accused, she was there in somewhere around. When he was beaten and given a cross to carry with two other convicts, she was there in the crowd following. By this time, virtually all the other apostles had run away. They were nowhere to be seen. She was there when he was hanging on the cross and shouting, it's finished. She was there when they took him down from the cross 
and was watching it all. She was there when a guy called Joseph, who came from a town called Arimathea, had gone to the government and said, could I have the body? Which was quite rare, because if you were crucified on a cross, you were an outcast. They just wanted to leave you to rot. So actually, for somebody to get permission to take this body was quite unique. It wasn't normal. But somehow, Joseph managed to persuade the government, no, let me take him and put him into a proper tomb. So as they took him down and he carried the body, she was there. Matthew 27, 57 says this, As evening approached, Joseph, a rich man from Arimathea, who'd become a follower of Jesus, went to Pilate and asked for Jesus' body, and Pilate ordered the release of it to him. Quite unique. Joseph took the body, wrapped it in a long sheet of linen cloth. He placed it in his own tomb, which had been carved out of a rock. He rolled the great stone across the entrance and left. Both Mary Magdalene and the other Mary were sitting across from the tomb, watching. This is a remarkable lady. I mean, a remarkable lady. She's literally stayed close through the most traumatic events to the very, very end. This is an amazing follower of Jesus Christ. But I want to kind of help you see that this is a lady who was traumatised, who was in such pain, had so many hurts, so many wounds that Jesus had dealt with. But she was still able to cope with the fact that that's how she was seen. And that's how it's written about her. And there's something very good about being to own your wounds. That's why I talk a lot about my breakdown. I noticed that a lot of people struggle to talk about it, and, and you know, it wasn't easy for me, I, I can honestly say. But I realised the more I talked about it, the more I realised it identified with so many people. And, uh, but, and, and I, I think the shame of some of these wounds is becoming, being lifted. But I'm just saying, this lady is a, an amazing lady to be able to live with that. Do you understand? That actually she's a hope. She's a wounded. And now we'll see next how she became a wounded healer. But she's a follower of Jesus. And uh, she's there at the end. And then, a day or two later, when she's able to, because she realised they haven't anointed the body properly. You know, this has been traumatic and quick and Joseph has managed to get the body at the last minute so that it's just not there rotting, exposed for the birds and the beasts to basically just destroy. And so she comes to the tomb to basically prepare the body properly, to actually look after it, to do what really they should have done. And um, it says this in Matthew 28, verse 1. Early on a Sunday morning, 
as the new day was dawning, Mary Magdalene and the other Mary went out to visit the tomb. Suddenly there was a great earthquake, for an angel of the Lord came down from heaven and rolled the stone away. His face shone like lightning and his clothes were as white as snow. And the guards shook with fear when they saw him and they fell down as if dead. Then the angel spoke to the woman. These women are now in an earthquake. I mean, you just can't imagine. It's like one thing after another that they're experiencing. And then an angel speaks out of the earthquake and after the earthquake. Don't be afraid. I know you're looking for Jesus who was crucified. He isn't here. He's risen from the dead, just as he said he would. Now come, see where the body was lying. And now go quickly and tell his disciples that he's risen from the dead. And tell them he's going to Galilee. Go there quickly and find him. Mary Magdalene the demonised, the one who was traumatically hurt and bruised in her life, suddenly became the first gospel preacher. The first gospel preacher. The gospel is good news. And the angel said, go and tell the gospel, the good news that Jesus Christ has risen from the dead. What an amazing thing. This wounded healer became the gospel preacher, the first one, before Peter. Before Peter stood in front of 3,000 people to see 3,000 saved, she's there with the good news. Jesus, who had died, who was crucified, is now risen. Go and tell them. Go and tell them the gospel, the good news of the risen Saviour. Wow. And because she had met Jesus, because Jesus had transformed her, because she'd become a dedicated follower of the Lord Jesus Christ, she was able to go and tell some very wounded men, traumatised men, distraught men, men who had lied that they ever knew him. Men who had, in the face of total terrible things, had panicked and gone. This wounded lady became a wounded healer, a gospel preacher. I've seen him. I've seen the Lord, because she actually did meet him as well. And so, you know, I think there's hope for us all. I know my story of my wounds, of the adoptions that we've done, and some of the, some of the, you know, it's not easy adopting kids, I can assure you, and uh, it's not easy building churches, and, and it's not easy helping people, and it's not easy get, but that story that Jesus comes to you and actually heals your wounds. Jesus has healed me. He's helped me through even my breakdown. I'm vulnerable. I know I cry more than I've ever done before. I know there's things that before never really affected me, now do. Some of it's getting old as well, by the way. But, uh, <laughs> uh, but, are you here? but actually there's something lovely 
about Jesus using a wounded person to bring good news, to bring healing to people. And, uh, you know, Mary's testimony is a fantastic testimony because Jesus was the ultimate wounded healer. You know, I mentioned that one of the biggest causes of trauma can be when a friend betrays you. Jesus had 12 guys, and as they were journeying, he turned to them one day and said, look, you think you're servants. I want you to know you've become my friends. (laughs) And then one of these dear friends one night came to him and literally came up to him and kissed him so that a band of soldiers could find the right the person they were looking for in the dark and grab him I mean how big a portrayal can you have when a friend uses a kiss to portray you. It's just massive, isn't it? It's massive. You know, he's on the receiving end of accusations. How many of us have been on the receiving end of that? He was beaten. He, re- he was mocked. He was publicly ashamed, hanged naked on a cross. And then finally he was speared to prove that he was dead. That's our wounded healer. That's, that's, that's the God Almighty. That's the pure one, the holy one, the one that deserved none of that. Becoming a wounded person. A few days after Mary had been to the tomb, the disciples were get together. And Jesus, the wounded one, came to them but there was one guy not there and uh, after the event the people who had met Jesus went and said look we've seen Jesus and he said no way my words no way Jose no way I'll only believe it if I can put my hand in the spear hole in his body. Wow. Jesus, the bruised one, came to him. Thomas, do you want to put your hand here? What an amazing, amazing, using the wounds to bring restoration and healing and faith and life to a doubting, we call him Doubting Thomas these days. (laughs) This is our God. This is why we worship. This is why we can come broken in a broken world and yet lift our hands high with confidence because God is with us and in our brokenness we have the ultimate broken one.
who died for us, who lives and is there at the right hand of the Father in heaven, interceding for us, praying for us, saying, God, help Colin as he preaches this morning, because by God, he needs it. (laughs) Yeah, and it's lovely, isn't it? That he who was broken for my transgressions and my sins is there saying, God, help him. Because I've saved him. And I've put him in a place where he can share his brokenness. To help a broken people find a broken Messiah who is now ascended, risen, sitting in heaven, preparing a place that we can join him, that there will be a day with no more brokenness and no more sin and no more evil because the kingdom of God will be here in its totality. It's good news, isn't it?